In the beginning of the history of experimental observation or any other kind of observation on scientific things, it's intuition. It's intuition. Which is really based on just experience with everyday objects that suggest reasonable explanations for things. Welcome to Two Shrieks Pod. I'm Hunter Mulcair and this is a podcast all about psychology. In this episode, you'll hear another interview I did whilst at the Australian Psychological Society's Health Psychology Conference that was held in April. In this interview, I talked to Kate Obst on her work looking at emotional reactions to pregnancy loss. We talk mainly about men's reactions to a miscarriage or to a stillbirth, but it should be of interest to anyone who's experienced such a loss or knows someone who has. It's also a great example of psychology being applied in a health setting, and you can see some of the practical benefits that such work can have on improving the lives of people going through difficult circumstances. If you want to know more about this topic, please check out the podcast description for some links to relevant topics. And just a heads up, we did record this interview in a room that had a bit of ambient noise in the background. There's a little bit of a hum, but it shouldn't detract from the content. As always, if you like the show and can spare a couple of minutes, please rate or even write a review of the show in Apple Podcasts or tell someone about it. It really helps raise the profile of the podcast and increase the number of listeners. You can also contact us via email on twoshrinkspod at gmail.com or check out our website, www.twoshrinkspod.com. All right, here's the interview. So in the second of our health psychology conference interviews, I am sitting with Kate Obst, who's a PhD and master's student at the University of Adelaide. And she is going to be talking to us about the psychological impact of pregnancy loss with a focus on men and grief. So welcome to Two Shrinks Pod. Thank you. So saw your poster and I thought it was really, really interesting to kind of think about how people deal with pregnancy loss, but also like men and the way that men deal with grief. So tell us a little bit about your project and, and what you were presenting on here. Yeah, sure. So I was presenting my honours and start of PhD research. So I guess it all started, we recognised that there's Pretty much a lack of research in pregnancy loss generally but specifically there's not much on men at all and their perspectives especially in Australia so we really wanted to fill that gap and explore it a little bit further so the honours project was um, interviews with men about their experiences of loss um, yep. and grief and support specifically and I guess was a really good starting point because we just don't have much at all like I said um, yep. so lots of cool themes came out of that basically men I guess aren't particularly happy with how they're being supported at the moment and there's a real lack of support services that they think are appropriate. There's lots of support groups and counselling lines and things like that but they're really sort of looking for more appropriate strategies on mm-hmm. how they can access those services. Yeah because the anyone who's been through pregnancy watch their partner go through pregnancy it's very much as it should be very much geared towards women and mm what they're going through and what the baby needs and men are a distant third Mm. which is probably it's pretty important yeah I guess what we found was they just feel like they're the supporter in that situation um, and sort of are there to be the sole supporter for their female partner in a heterosexual relationship and to look after their family and be the informer and sort of take care of all those practical things while mum recovers from that experience yeah So. so when you say pregnancy loss talk to us about that as a 
help us understand that? Yeah, so we focused specifically on miscarriage and stillbirth for the first study. Yep. So miscarriage is a loss before 20 weeks gestation in Australia, and a stillbirth is a loss after 20 weeks or over 400 grams in weight up until full term. Yep. So they were our two focused losses, but we've also now expanded to look at neonatal loss too, which is loss within the first 28 days of life. Yeah, right. But statistics are quite high, and I think a lot of people don't think that pregnancy loss is something that happens, but a quarter of all families in Australia will experience some sort of loss mm. um, within their life. And stillbirth, we lose six babies a day in Australia to stillbirth, which is pretty surprising for a lot of people. Mm. Um, rates haven't changed in 20 years, despite obviously all of the really incredible advancements in medical technologies, but yeah. they've just remained stagnant. So a lot of them are unexplained, which is really hard for families as well. But there are also some strategies, I guess, in terms of prevention that can be really important too. So there's some research coming out about sleeping on your side in pregnancy rather than on your back. Okay. Um, monitoring fetal movements and if you feel anything that's significantly different to normal patterns that you should get straight to a midwife or obstetrician to mm. talk about that but yeah like I said a lot of them are unexplained as well which is a really tough one to address yeah I think when you have a circumstance that is not well explained or not easily understood mm -hmm. uh, is probably perhaps a better way to think about it that it then invites our minds to make up all sorts of explanations yeah. particularly self-blame and that kind Absolutely. of stuff yeah and so for women that can be really really hard and so how do men respond to that or what or what did you find in that well i guess generally because it's not something that we talk about grief is described as disenfranchised after pregnancy loss so mm -hmm. for women and for men and for families in the sense that the baby's sort of not really recognized as a living individual and we don't really have a lot of prescribed norms and rituals surrounding how you actually mourn the loss of an unborn baby yeah um so i guess grief generally is just really difficult to address because of that yeah but for men we sort of found that there were a lot of other challenges as well that were involved particularly from a gendered standpoint a lot of men's grief isn't recognized by society on top of the fact that pregnancy loss grief also isn't recognized yeah so i guess just an added level of disenfranchisement there in the sense that people just think that dad's the supporter and he's being stoic so don't necessarily address the fact yeah that and then and the, and, and the mum's the more important one in it and, yeah and well mum's the more obvious one i guess because she's the one who's gone through that physical process and it's just not something that's yeah recognized quite as easily yeah especially when they're caught up in all of the practical things and trying to put on that stoic front to take care of things yeah and no, i think i was saying to you that to how real the baby is for the individual, for the mother or for the father. For women, the baby is, you know, their body is changing when they're pregnant. The baby is more real, more immediately. Yeah. Whereas men, I think the journey comes a bit later. Yeah. Does that sort of play into how people react and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So our systematic review was looking at a lot of the predictors of men's grief yep. um, and sort of what plays into that experience. And one of the biggest ones was attachment. So whether or not they recognize the baby as a real living being or as their child, basically. Yeah, right. So some of the guys in our interview study hadn't developed that bond yet and then said, as a consequence, they didn't really feel as much grief and like they didn't need support, which is understandable. But again, some dads had really developed that bond and subsequently their grief was really quite extreme and they really did need the support in that situation. 
But I guess importantly, it wasn't about gestational age. So we had a father who had quite a late-term stillbirth, but he hadn't developed that bond at all yet. Mm. And so didn't experience much grief. But we had another father who had a very early eight-week miscarriage, but he was very invested in that pregnancy and looking forward to it. And they had sort of all the planning going already. Um, and then when they lost that child, it was really devastating. Mm. So important to recognize, I guess, that grief can occur at any stage. And it's not just when you lose that baby at a late stage. It can be very early as well, but it's yeah. dependent on that individual. Yeah, so it's that, that psychological appraisal of the situation. Yeah, because mm. if you don't have the bond, then you can't have a loss. Exactly. Would be the, I guess, the way I think about it. That's yeah. sort of the way you guys sort of conceptualize it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So how did you go about it or what did you do? Yeah, so we recruited participants through support organisations. We were a bit worried about recruiting men. We weren't sure if they would want to talk about their experiences face-to-face, -face, but we were really lucky to get a good group of guys who were willing to share their experiences and it was really valuable to do that. Yeah. So given all this kind of stuff, like yeah. where there's not much written on it, there's not much known about it, mm -hmm. you have this kind of scenario where we find that men they do have grief responses. Mm -hmm. It's variable as to how it kind of goes. Where to from here? What's sort of powerful or useful about this research, do you think? I guess ultimately what we're finding is that the awareness is really just lacking as well. So needing to talk to health professionals, working in hospitals and support organisations about about men's grief generally um, yep. and they're all very keen to support men the best they can but especially in hospitals it's not always a consideration because the focus like you've said has sort of been on mum and baby and their physical health and well-being so I guess yeah trying to raise that awareness among health professionals about yep dad is part of this too and dad is really grieving through this process and just being able to acknowledge and validate that is really powerful mm. I think at that stage but also going back and looking at bigger picture, I guess we're sort of really thinking about advocating more for engaging with dads throughout the pregnancy journey. So mm -hmm. right from conception all the way through. And if a loss occurs, hopefully they'll be more involved and feel like they're more supported in that situation. Yeah, rather than sort of um, doing it at the, at the 11th hour. Yeah, exactly. Right at last minute. I think it's really powerful to just be able to validate that and ongoing then hopefully if you're able to sort of sit with them individually explain that this is going to be an issue for them too potentially but there are support services available and these are the sorts of things that might be appropriate for them yeah some of the guys have said i'd really like a male support worker to speak to mm. or just a male health professional in general they just felt like they would respond better to that but I guess that's not always available. So ultimately, what we'd really yeah, like mid to see... Midwifery is, is predominantly women, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and there's a few male midwives who are doing really great work. But if that's not available, then it's just about being able to sit with that guy individually and just really acknowledge the fact that he's a part of this too and he's affected by that. Yeah, because I was just sort of wondering about... Like, say I don't know much about miscarriages but mm -hmm. or stillbirths, but whether these typically occur within the hospital setting or whether there's a day procedure involved and sort of the in and out whereas yeah. when you have a baby if you're in the private system you might be in the hospital for four or five days or yep. even public system a couple of days there's yeah. much more scope to intervene but I could sort of imagine people have a miscarriage and then that family is sort of booted out of the system relatively the health system relatively quickly and they sort yeah. of just disappear yeah and that's one of the things we found there's a massive difference between support for miscarriage and for stillbirth especially in the hospital setting 
there's some fantastic services for stillbirth in hospital. They've got bereavement care teams in some hospitals, bereavement specialist midwives who really can spend time with that family and help them to create memories, handprints and footprints of the baby, spending time if a cuddle cot's available, so cool cots to keep the baby for a couple of days if that's what the family decides to do yeah. um, and there's a lot of support around that and even for genetic terminations there's quite a bit of support in that area too about deciding whether or not if there's a medical problem families want to terminate or continue with pregnancy mm. but with miscarriage it can happen at home it can happen at work a lot of people don't go to a hospital especially if it's early on but then a lot of the time if they do it's dealt with in the emergency department which is it's pretty brutal yeah quite full-on not necessarily appropriate and you'll have people yeah waiting for a long time and miscarrying at that point so the support's not necessarily there especially from you know midwives and social workers mm. or counselors it's more the nurses that are in the emergency department yeah like if you've been in an emergency department it's it's they do amazing work in the emergency department but it's not a great place mm. for psychosocial care exactly uh, yeah. i guess it's probably the the way i'd phrase it isn't yeah, it yeah absolutely and yeah they'll just be left to if they have a procedure that's fine then they'll be left to go home and there's not necessarily any follow-up like there is for stillbirth or for a genetic termination Mm. situation so yeah i mean what i was thinking about was that i always think about that there are symbolic acts that are important as part of the grief process Mm -hmm. is that different for men as for women or what what is it that you kind of yeah well i guess there's a lot of recognition that creating memories is really important for families so being able to spend time with baby, creating hand and footprints, like I said, getting locks of hair, taking photographs. There's a beautiful support service called Heartfelt that do photography services for bereaved parents and will take really beautiful images of their baby and baby with mum and dad as well or other family members that are there. But yeah, that's really crucial. I think back in the old days, it wasn't handled that way and baby was just taken away and parents didn't really know anything about baby, Mm. didn't even know the gender sometimes, had no knowledge of where the remains were. Um, But there are a lot of great supports around that now that allow parents to have that time. Yeah, I knew a woman, I think it was a teenager, and I remember she'd had a stillbirth Mm -hmm. and it had clearly very much affected her. And yeah, I remember her sort of saying, you know, that for a woman to be able to hold the baby, I guess for a man too, is a really important because you've carried, they've carried the baby, they've been yeah. on this journey yeah. and not being able to do that because they, they were used to just take it away. Yeah. And, and that was with, I think, good intention back then. They sort of thought that grief would be worse if you spent time with the baby. So developing that bond would be harmful. That was sort of the viewpoint back then. Yeah. But obviously, yeah, they've realised in the last 20 or 30 years that that's not appropriate and that the most important thing is be able to foster that bond and to acknowledge that relationship that has been built and acknowledge that parenting role as well because especially if it's your first child and you don't have any living children, you'll go home without a child and it's like, well, am I a mum? Am I a dad? What's my situation here? So it's really important to acknowledge that and know that you are a parent and you always will be, but your baby's just not here at the moment. It just sounds so awful, doesn't it? Yeah. You've done the miscarriage stillbirth one and Mm -hmm. with the neonatal you're in the process of doing that or what's the yeah so we've just expanded the systematic review and further studies to include neonatal death 
just because we realised that there's not a lot of research around that specifically in Australia either, not for men. So again, a really important area to be looking at and a really tough time, I guess, in the neonatal intensive care unit or the NICU. That's a really tough space for parents to be in. There are lots of really great support services available in hospitals again, but the research base isn't quite there. So we're hoping to address that gap mm. and just be able to see if there are any unique differences that we need to address or if the... Do you guys have a gut feeling similar. about it? Or? I think, yeah, again, like the fact that grief isn't determined by gestational age, it won't necessarily be determined by the fact that the baby's been alive either yeah. um, for a certain amount of time. But... There are a lot of, I think, unique challenges in that situation and different things to deal with, different practicalities and all that sort of stuff, decision-making about end-of-life and things like and that. And treatment, things like that. Because with yeah. those, the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit, yeah. so someone might have a, a baby early, for example, and be put into that space, so yeah. that you know, 32 weeks or 28 yeah. weeks or something. Yeah, you know, just or actually. even earlier. Or yeah. even earlier, yeah. yeah. And... You know, so it's this interesting time for parents because they will go home without their baby mm. and their baby is still in the hospital. Yeah. Like it's a very yeah. stressful time. Mm. And uh, what I like about your work and why I was attracted to it was that seeing the family, as a, seeing it as a unit, as a pair, because you could see that if one of that pair is not doing as well, yeah. then that's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there can be a lot of relationship conflict as well if mum and dad aren't grieving the same way that can be, be really difficult to navigate so it's important that both of them are supported as best as possible so that they can also support each other do you think that they grieve the same way i would i would have thought they're incredibly rare to grieve the same way yeah and that's the thing everybody's individual and there sort of was an idea that there was a masculine way of grieving and a feminine way of grieving but that's sort of changed as well because it's not determined by gender they've recognized now so we talk about intuitive grieving which is the sort of emotion focus and instrumental grieving which is more the task focused and trying to logically look at the situation I guess but anyone can grieve anywhere along that continuum it can change from one way of coping to another way of coping within the same day or within the same week so it's yeah totally dependent on the person and their personality and their skills and their experiences and all of the different influences that are going on in that situation but like I said there's a lot of gendered expectations associated with men's grief and that can make it really difficult in that situation. What are men are allowed to do what are men are expected to do yeah even if they do catch up with their friends what's acceptable what's not yeah or even if it is acceptable do they let themselves do it that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. exactly and some people get it and other people don't and a lot of people don't want to say the wrong thing either so they say nothing but that doesn't really help either so it's a really tricky situation for anyone to navigate yeah i mean i mean as a clinician and i work obviously in oncology and so there's a lot of grief components to that what I find working is that grief is incredibly variable like Mm. you know as a clinician I frequently don't know where it's going what it's doing where they're at you know there'll be moments where you're like yeah I think I've got a plan here and I think I know what will help this person at this time Mm -hmm. but one or two sessions down the track I don't think so totally different yeah Yeah. and so that's from a clinical perspective that's what's really interesting about grief is that Mm. it's not this ordered stage process yeah you jump backwards and forwards and in and out absolutely yeah yeah and for every person that's going to be different so but I think it's just about being open and transparent about the fact that it will change and it's not always going to be the same but 
trying to be a bit more aware about what's going on for you in that point and what is going to be helpful for you when you're feeling like this or who you can talk to and having those people available mm. is really important. Mm. And a lot of bereaved parents really say that connecting with other bereaved parents is important. So okay. a lot of support organisations really push the peer-to-peer support in that situation and try to connect parents with each other because I don't think you can really understand what it's like to go through that until you've been through the loss yeah. of a child. So, Yeah, because I think pregnancy, having children, is a very experiential mm. experience. Uh, experience. Gosh, there's poor words <laughs> on my part. Being a parent, trying to explain to someone else is like trying to explain what being drunk is like to someone mm. who's never drunk alcohol. Like, you know, yeah. I think, you know, it's sort of, you can sort of cognitively understand it, but not really have a good understanding. So Absolutely. I imagine a peer-to-peer thing could really really help mm. that kind of stuff so men talk about that is that what they kind of talk about or is it more a general kind of finding around it yeah so some of the guys in our interview study said that they'd really like that informal support from another guy who's trusted and just understands the situation and can just catch up with them for a coffee or a beer and just talk through things it doesn't necessarily have to be about the loss it can just be about life and just chatting about that in general but for some guys they're really attracted to support groups or to individual counselling but a lot of guys were really quite against that and just didn't feel comfortable with that idea Mm -hmm. so I guess in that situation having some sort of informal person who they can go to and have a chat about things is really important to those guys and that's where male support workers potentially came in as well for help in that situation Fascinating Mm. and so where to so do the study and then what happens in Yep. Roll out um, some implementation implementation program or something? Yeah, or? so we've just, the systematic review has sort of come up with a bit of a preliminary theory of men's grief. So we're looking to test that through a national survey in the next couple of months, um, mm-hmm. rolling that out soon, which will be really exciting. And then not sure what final steps would be, but yeah, hopefully just trying to come up with some ideas that can be implemented into future bereavement care guidelines so that health professionals can be more aware of men's needs and understand all those contributing factors and how they might be able to address those or at least talk to men about those yeah and then yeah i guess support services will be informed by that too so if you know we've got a certain male who's grieving this way then perhaps this type of support service will be most beneficial for them yeah and yeah just like i said bringing about some awareness as well because there's lots of services out there, but until we sort of talk about those and acknowledge the situation and People try to bring even, that to the yeah. front. Yeah, I think broadly as well, just some policy around bereavement leave and things like that as well would be really important. So dads don't necessarily have the opportunity to take parental leave after a loss as well, which can be really difficult. So yeah. they can take things like annual leave or um, carer's leave I think there is a bereavement leave as well for a couple of days. That's not necessarily appropriate. So, yeah, trying to look at that a bit more critically about how we can better support people returning to work after a loss as well, both for mothers and fathers, but for fathers particularly problematic. Yeah, I mean, I I can imagine you can have a scenario where the woman loses the baby and then the man is sort of thrown into running the household, making sure she's okay and whatever's going on for him is pushed to the side because it's needed to be and then you could get like a a delayed reaction, Mm -hmm. a delayed process or something like that. Yeah. And then that could be quite harmful or that could then kind of, you know, a month down the track or something they're they're struggling and need to have time off but 
yeah. you know, there's limited avenues for it or something yeah, like that. Whereas if they, yeah. yeah, and it depends on what kind of loss it is as well. Some dads might not even tell their work that it's happened if it's been an earlier term loss. Yeah. And that's really difficult too if they don't feel like they can talk to their employer about it. And I'm, there are lots of stories where workplaces have worked really well with guys and they've, you know, been able to navigate that in the best way possible. But then there are lots of stories where it hasn't gone very well either. So I think, yeah, again, awareness among workplaces would be really important too that this is an issue um, yeah. and something that needs to be helped. Um, yeah, I have a whole diatribe about men's men's parental leave yeah. and how it's really bad, but I'll save that for another podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's been delightful talking to you about yeah, this. thank you. Well, thanks for coming on Two Shrink Spot. No worries. Thanks for having me. But as we try to widen and make more consistent our description of what we see, as it gets wider and wider and we see a greater range of phenomena, the explanations become what we call laws instead of simple explanations.